Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's Signature NHL Hockey Pod Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And we got big news right off the top today. We are grateful for the support of a new sponsor called Owner's Box. And you're going to hear a little bit about Owner's Box a little later in the show. AJ is going to fill our listeners in on the details relating to them. For now, AJ, I bring you on board and we have another tough storyline to talk about off the top, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Carey Price uh, has entered the, the league's uh, assistance program, which means, you know, according to the team, it means he'll be on basically an indefinite leave for the next 30 days at minimum. Um, could certainly be longer than that. So I uh, did some, some rough math. Uh, 30 days would be about a... F- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 14 game absence for him. Uh, and so obviously he was dealing with that knee injury uh, during the offseason and now this, this latest um, issue. They're uh, understandably not providing a whole lot of details in terms of why exactly um, he's voluntarily agreed to enter the, the uh, assistance program there. But certainly we hope that it's uh, you know, a sign of uh, good things to come for him in the future. And that everything would, um, you know, come out all right for him and his family here. That's obviously the more important thing than the hockey side of it. Um, but we, we can get into the, the hockey side a little bit later when we talk about Montreal later in the show. Absolutely, AJ. A very sensitive issue, a very sensitive time for the Price family. Wish uh, Carrie a complete recovery from the, the trial that he's going to go through in the next little while. And uh, I'm sure we each know many people that have uh, gone down the street of dealing with uh, anxiety and, and depression and uh, other mental-related issues. Uh, the cloak has been taken off this thing, and it's uh, quite rightly regarded as just another illness. It's a mental illness, and, uh, and uh, it's a tough one to, con- to consider when you're talking about a Carey Price, who I think back to the playoffs last year, AJ, and the guy played with such a high level of concentration and focus and and to think that that's been jeopardized by whatever he's going through right now just tells you that it could happen to anyone. So uh, we sincerely wish the best for him and uh, and uh, 
hope for a complete recovery. I don't like hearing about this news for anybody, so I wish him the best. In any case, uh, we turn our attention now to the final of our four preseason podcasts where we focus on the Atlantic Division, and uh, it includes Montreal. It also includes Boston, Buffalo, Detroit, Florida, Ottawa, Tampa, and finally, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I get to talk about them a little bit later in the show. You might have to put a lasso on me through the computer somehow to get me to stop, partner. (laughs) It's been a while. So uh, again, as we have for the other three pods, we're going to go through each team's rosters and take a look at the depth charts there. And uh, AJ, why don't you lead us off with a breakdown of the forward uh, combinations in Boston? Yeah, so the the first line here is uh, everything we've we've come accustomed to in terms of Boston and and has been the same for for a couple of years now in in Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak. Um, Obviously, with the limited season uh, and some injuries in there along the way, Pasternak was limited to just 48 points last year. But I don't see any reason that he shouldn't get back to being near the top of of the, the goal race here. Um, you know, 48 goals the year before when he had 70 games at his disposal. So uh, I, I really think 50 is certainly a, a possibility for him. And he'll be and should be probably the first player targeted off this Boston team. But any of that trio, um, you know, in your drafts can, can really offer some value. The difference here is Charlie Coyle steps into the second line center role, role as David Krejci has returned to the Czech Republic. He'll play with Taylor Hall for the entire season instead of just a short stint. But Taylor Hall certainly seemed to benefit from the move to Boston last year. Craig Smith rounding out the top six. I would say Craig Smith is really the only name here that's maybe in danger of losing out um, to, to somebody else in this lineup. You know, maybe if Charlie Coyle had a really rough go, they would consider Eric Halla as another option. But I, I just don't see it. Um, I think this group is pretty set. Um, Jake DeBrus might be the one guy that could challenge Craig Smith for those opportunities. But right now we'll have DeBrus, Eric Holla, and Nick Foligno uh, comes over and uh, joins this team, and he'll be in the third-line role. Could be some rotation further down the lineup. Guys like Curtis Lazar, Chris Wagner, uh, Thomas Nosek, they'll kind of round out that group. But, Paul, do you – I guess the big question with this forward group, as I see it, is, you know, do you think Craig – do you agree? Is Craig Smith probably the most likely of that top six to maybe get bounced at some point in the season? Yeah, I think he should definitely feel threatened. Jake DeBrusque has played a top six role there before, and Nick Foligno has brought in there. He can play anywhere from the top line to the third, so there's two threats to him. But I'm also looking at the second-line center position. A.J. Charlie Coyle finished the season with 16 points last year, albeit he missed a chunk of games. I just wonder if he can he can do uh, proper justice to what they've gotten out of a second line in David Krejci in the past. So that, to me, is the big question mark, along with Smith. Two guys there in the top six that uh, I think they're going to be pushed by other people down in the roster. And probably that's a good thing. I even look at a guy like Trent Frederick, AJ. Maybe he's a guy that is a bit of a sleeper here. He possesses all the, the tools that I like in a player. A rugged guy with a touch around the net. And uh, he won't be messed around with uh, at all, I don't think. And he create, creates some space for players that he's playing with. I think that's uh, he brings quite a package to the table. They've they've also been down on Jake DeBrusque uh, over the last calendar year. AJ and uh, he he had a better profile a couple of years ago with this club, and I thought he'd be a fixture on the second line over there in Boston. So some challenges where there weren't as many in the past, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. 
which takes us to the defense, and much the same story there. Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy, that looks like your first-line pairing. McAvoy, unquestionably, the top offensive piece from the back end, and he will be challenged to lead the power play again. Should be a formidable one when you consider the top three guys in the number one line, as usual, being one of the the most difficult groups to play against. But McAvoy, I figure he, he got 30 points last year in 56 games. That should translate to about 50-plus in a full calendar of NHL play in an 82-game schedule. And he will be supported by Grizzlick. He had 20 points last year. And I think the Bruins will be thrilled if he can approach 35 to 40. Beyond that, it takes a big step down in terms of offense from the back end, AJ. They added Mike Riley, who's a big physical presence, and he he had a 27-point season as well. I don't see him uh, cha- uh, chasing McAvoy down to lead the scoring from the back end, but I wonder if you have a different opinion about him, and uh, if you want to talk about any of the D-men, here's your shot. No, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I think the one player that I would maybe keep an eye on um, that could potentially uh, chip in a little bit more, I mean, I'm not expecting him to you know compete with McAvoy, but Brandon Carlo had just four points last year, um, but he only got to play in, in 27 games due to injury. Now, again, I don't think he's going to be, you know, a 40-50 guy, but could he put up 20? Sure. And maybe in a deeper format or night-to-night in, in DFS contests, that might be a player um, to consider taking uh, a look at there because he's certainly not going to break the bank for you. Between the pipes, obviously the big change here is is Linus Olmark is, is going to be the guy uh, for them, alongside Jeremy Swayman, they brought in Omar from, from Buffalo. Uh, I, I have some concerns about this. Uh, number one being uh, he has, you know, his career high is 17 wins. Um, obviously, Boston will need more than 17 wins out of him. Uh, and his games played has never crept over 40. Uh, 37 is his, his high there. So, uh, I don't. I don't expect they're looking to completely split him and Swayman. I would anticipate mostly, um, you know, a sixty forty percentage split in, in terms of the games played here, and that's going to put some pressure on Omar to, to play uh, on on a basis that he really hasn't yet at, at the NHL level to this point. So that that's kind of my biggest concern for them overall in terms of trying to figure out. You know how this goalie situation is is going to look uh, going forward. Definitely agree with you, partner. Uh, Tuka Rask uh, has made noises about the fact that he still wants to be a part of this mix, but uh, may not be a factor in this team if at all. Uh, I expect him to sign something maybe in the second half of the season when he gets uh, everything physically and mentally to 100% in his life, and uh, mostly it's a physical issue, I guess, at the moment. But I, I share your concern about Allmark. He's toiled. In, in a mediocre environment yeah, career to date and and there'll be a lot of pressure on him to fill Rask's shoes. Uh, Swayman had a nice start with the club last year winning 7 of 10 decisions the goals against of 1.5. He won't keep it down there. He's a good prospect but uh, this, this Bruin tandem is uh, an untested one in Boston, and they'll really be counting on Ulmark in a big way to uh, reach the potential that some see for him. Could be an interesting pick in the draft. I wouldn't rate him among the top 10 goalies, but maybe a notch below, and uh, so govern yourselves accordingly in your fantasy drafts. In terms of the Buffalo Sabres, boy, are there a few questions there, AJ. We all, we've talked about Jack Eichel's situation. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's getting any closer to resolution, but I'm hearing whispers that, that things are trending in a more positive direction in terms of teams inquiring more medical information available so that 
is a sliver of good news, but uh, in terms of what the on-ice product might look like for the Sabre uniform, Jeff Skinner needs to get his act together. This guy has, for my money, the worst contract in hockey, given the point production that he is, he's uh, delivered along with collecting those big checks. Dylan Cousins looks like he could be the big winner in terms of sweepstakes for a top-line role here. He was a fourth-liner last year. They're trying to get him to find his way uh, and... Uh, looked like the junior star that he was and, and a, a real key in terms of Team Canada junior exploits in his career. And maybe the guy that's going to be the leader offensively is Victor Olofsson. He got 32 points last year, AJ, and he's going to need somebody at center to help him get to uh, where I think he can go is about 50 to 60 points, and that might be the le the team leadership here. Uh, second line, they got a, a prospect from Boston and Andrews Bjork, who will get second line left wing minutes, and they're waiting for Casey Middlestat to take the next step behind Cousins. Those will be your two scoring line centers, Cousins and Middlestat. Tage Thompson, a big physical winger who has to do better than the 14 points that he accumulated last year. I think he should be targeting 30 to 35 this year in a fuller slate. Then they have hopes for a couple of youngsters on the third line that might threaten the top six if, uh, say, Skinner doesn't deliver. I could see Artu Rotsalainen taking a shot at his role. Maybe Zengis Gergensen, who, who was making a return to Buffalo Sabres lineup after missing the entire season. So they've got some hopes in the depth chart, maybe even Drake Kajulian, Kajula and Vinny Hinestrosa on the right wing. But uh, the pickings are slim here. And then I haven't mentioned Kyle Okpozo yet. He is uh, way down on the depth chart, but way up on the cap-friendly uh, chart in terms of how much money he's taking out of their salary cap. So a big question mark around him, too. This is such a, just such a bad team, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's, it's a young team, is, is what I'll say. There's, there's a lot of guys here um, that could develop in, into something more. But in terms of looking at, at this season and this season alone, I mean, there's just nothing to really be excited about. Um, you know, to, to some of the guys you mentioned, you know, Victor Olofsson, 26, Casey Middlestad, 22, Tage Johnson, 23, Dylan Cousins is 20, Rasmus Asplund is 23. Like, there, there's some reason for long-term optimism here, but um, for this season, boy, I, outside of Victor Olofsson, I, I might not really touch this team a whole lot in, in terms of, uh, you know, season long, maybe you touch a little bit, uh, periodically for, for DFS, as I said, now I will throw one name out there that I, I am definitely intrigued by in, in all formats. And that's JJ Paterka. Uh, he's a, you know, a 19 year old player, whether he makes the team or not remains to be seen. He, he's definitely not locked himself in, but Paul, you know, as well as anybody, how high I am on the DEL, um, the German league there. This guy racked up nine goals, 11 helpers in 30 games playing for uh, Munich uh, ice hockey club there. And, and I do think he's shown some pretty good scoring touch over in, in a league that, again, I, I think is underrated here. So uh, JJ Paterka is a, a guy to maybe keep an eye on, especially if he makes the team. Um, I think he could be worth maybe stashing away uh, as a late round pickup if, if you have the, the extra roster spots because he could be a factor on this team. And then just kind of wait and see if he if he makes the team or not. On the blue line, uh, look, this is uh, another group that has seen some pretty significant departures, and, and the biggest one being Rasmus Ristolainen. I know he's been a bit maligned over some of his time there, but 
at the end of the day, I think he was still their best uh, defenseman uh, on, on most nights. So they head into the season with Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yokoharu as their one-two pairing. Again, young, like very, very young in terms of what they're doing here. Dahlin, 21. Yokoharu, just 22. Um, so these guys have, have the ability to get there. They've surrounded uh, them with a, a bit of an older crop in, in terms of Mark Pissick uh, and Colin Miller there. Will Butcher comes over from New Jersey at, really as a way to kind of revitalize his career. He has struggled. You know, it, you look at his numbers, they literally drop every single year, 44, 30, 21, 11. Yes, the shortened seasons are, are a factor there, but this is a guy who hopefully would be motivated for them to kind of turn things around, but... Um, that top pairing is where I think most of the offense is going to come from. They'll be, I think, the primary power play guys, at least as far as I see it, Paul. Yeah, I, you mentioned Will Butcher. You know, where skill meets opportunity, that's where, up, where the numbers could rise. And, and there's no question this guy's a skilled defender in terms of offensive uh, abilities. And he's got to do much better than 11 if he's given half a chance to, to produce and and be a part of, of the Buffalo power play, let's say. So I would put a little star by him as a very late flyer in your pools if you're looking that way. But I, otherwise, I see uh, Rasmus Dallin being the only guy that gets drafted in season long from this crop, uh, to, to make a long story short. Then we look at the goalie situation, AJ, and uh, Dustin Tokarski and Craig Anderson look like they're the guys that are going to handle the role uh, going forward. They had some hopes that Aaron Dell would be a part of this mix, but... Uh, you know, you just shared that uh, with me offline that that he's he's been sent to the minors. So I I really don't know what to expect from the goalie group here. Tokarski is the younger younger of the two, but Craig Anderson, this guy's like a cat. He has nine lives in the NHL. Just when I thought he was done and and finished a couple of years ago, he he uh, wound up being in a playoff situation with Washington. So uh, he just won't go away, and maybe. It's a good thing for the Sabres that he hasn't because he might be the guy that they turn to. I'm not sure how I see this goalie split, but I can't see either one of them playing 50 games. Yeah, what's interesting about this, you know, I was talking about yeah, the ages before, so uh, I'm pulling these numbers from our friends over at Cat Friendly here. The forward group, average age, 25.8. The defense group is 25.0. The average age for the goaltending tandem is 36. <laughs> so, so they, they're getting all of their veteran experience out of Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski. Look, as far as Buffalo goes, the, the future at this point is very clear, clearly uh, Uko Peko Lukanen. Uh, they sent him down to the minors to continue to develop, and I think part of that was the fact that he could be sent to the minors without having to go on waivers. It's telling to me that Arundel cleared waivers yesterday uh, and, and that nobody took a, a shot at him, so kind of where his standing has gone. So I, I think we'll see mostly Anderson uh, in that here, but it could very well be a, a pretty even share of the workload here for them. I'll head us over to the Motor City and talk about the Detroit Red Wings, who are going to be highlighted uh, up front with a first line, uh, at least as it looks right now, of Tyler Bertuzzi. Dylan Larkin and Philip Zadina. Look, I think the biggest thing we have to talk about with Bertuzzi is that, you know, you need, if you're drafting him, you need to be aware of the fact that he will not be playing in Canada. That's yeah. nine games that he's going to miss, um, you know, for, for opting out of, of being vaccinated against COVID-19 here. So 
he will not travel with, with the Red Wings to Canada. So you need to know that at, at most, without any injuries, this is a guy that's playing 73 games in, instead of the, the normal 82 here. And on top of that, you're talking about a guy who's just come back from a back injury. He's making his preseason debut tonight, hasn't played yet in the preseason. There's a lot of red flags ticking up here for, for me in terms of Tyler Bertuzzi. The, the upside is... In the two seasons before last year, so 2018 and 2019, he was like a few points shy of hitting 50 points on the year. He had 21 goals in both of those seasons, so clearly a, a capable player. And so you you kind of got to balance all that. If I'm looking at you know taking him or not, I, I don't know the answer to that one, Paul. I, I haven't had uh, a draft where I've been presented with that opportunity <laughs> yet. Uh, so for me, uh, I'm still on the fence about it. I do think uh, Zadina, for his part, could face significant challenges from a pair of guys on the second line here for that top spot, first of which being Bobby Ryan, who really revitalized his career last year. And then even Robbie Fabry, another player who came into Detroit, uh, I, I think, uh, the year before that and, and kind of re-jumpstart after some injury woes for him. So I really like the second line. I don't mind that it's centered by Pius Sutter uh, right now, but I, I do think um, that could change. You know, the center position is pretty weak on this club, all things considered, when you talk about, oh, they have Dylan Larkin. Like, they have a number one center. Uh, they just don't really have a number two or, in some ways, a number three center. So um, there's some depth issues here. It's Vladislav Nemesnikov, Michael Rapis, Rasmussen, and Sam Gagne that make that third line. A couple other names could factor in here as well, Carter Rowney being one of them, Adam Ernie. So uh, other than maybe Bertuzzi and Larkin being the one-two on the top line in the United States, I really don't think uh, you know there's too much certainty about the rest of the group, at least not the way I see it, Paul. Yeah, I agree. But if there's one thing that I'm going to suggest as a hopeful note for Red Wings fans, the, the core of offensive choices is, is loaded with guys that have performed at some at a decent level elsewhere and so if they can find their best performance from those foreign locales and bring them to Detroit there's hope here and uh, Pius Sutter is where I'll start he had a very nice year with Chicago last year AJ and allowed them to shuffle things around in their offense and he held down a second line position uh, at the center position so he, he did accumulate 27 points that translates to about 40 to 45 and I think the wings would be thrilled to see that kind of performance out of him this season uh, as a step forward in his development Bobby Ryan has been a feel-good story in the NHL for the last year and a half and uh, I like you uh, wish him all the best but he's getting a little older every year too just like we all are but but uh, the opportunity still exists to do something on the right side here and uh, he'll be challenged to hold off the likes of Jim Vanny Smith and uh, Sam Gagne to, to retain that second line position. Robbie Fabry is another guy who can be an explosive scorer. He's done so in the past in junior, certainly, and shown flashes at the NHL, NHL level. So that's where the opportunity for growth is in terms of uh, a spike in production on the left side here. You mentioned Bertuzzi and his limitations. If he comes north of the border, he's still a very capable scorer, AJ. And as long as he's partnered with Larkin, that could be a really interesting dynamic line with him and Zadina on the wings there. You mentioned the Mesnikov. He's one of those guys that is a veteran that's been around and, and produced elsewhere. And he'll be kind of insurance against injury or underperformance. And he'll move up and down this lineup, I think, because of that. So, and Giovanni Smith, I, I touched on him, a young guy that the winning 
wings I have big hopes for. Uh, starting off in fourth line on the depth chart, we've seen a lot of people jump up from that and to succeed, and he has all the tools to do so. So he and Taro Hyro is, is another guy that we should mention. Highly regarded offensive pieces who have yet to find their way, but could be sleepers in this environment. The Detroit defense uh, has also got a couple of guys that I, I'm going to key on this season. Danny DeKaiser's been around. We know what they'll get out of him. A modest point total last year of 12. Maybe he gets 20-25, but his partner is the guy that will be the linchpin on the defense, and that's Philip Ronick, who's been a power play uh, fixture in, with the Wings in his time there. And he hopes that the 26 points that he got last season should translate to upwards of 40 in, in uh, a good career growth kind of a year for him. Uh, to uh, achieve this season and Nick Letty comes over from uh, the island and he had 31 points last year it was a nice pickup by the Red Wings there but the guy that he's partnered with is the guy that is maybe the most exciting prospect in the Detroit mix and that's Moritz Seider he's been spoken of breathlessly in this organization with in terms of his potential can be uh, go down as one of the greats in Detroit defensive lore that's good company that's excellent company if he can achieve it but he needs to take a first step as a pro in the NHL he comes here after getting 28 points in the Swedish Elite League in 41 games played last year. So he does have an offensive side to his game, and he'll have ample opportunity to show it here because he won't be threatened by the likes of Mark Stahl and Troy Stetcher, who are basically a third-pairing shutdown group that uh, brings a lot of experience but not too much offensive acumen. They're going to be the guys that are tasked to handle the big boys on the other teams when they come to town. You know, I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit there, uh, Paul, in regard to, to Troy Stetcher. Look, yeah, you know, the numbers totals, again, we're not talking about a guy that's ever going to win uh, the Norris here, but you look at his first season in Vancouver, played in 71 games, 24 points, eight of which came uh, with the power play. Now, since then, he hasn't really had uh, any, really, opportunities um, to, to put up power play numbers, but I think it's, it's something that maybe he could play his way into in the season, and then it would potentially set him up to be a 25- to 30-point guy if he can stay on the ice for a full 82-game season. So I, I actually am a little bit higher on Troy Stetcher. Again, not somebody that's going to win uh, the Norris Trophy here, but I, I think he could actually challenge Maurice Sider for uh, a bigger role and, and make a larger impact on the offensive side of the ice. Uh, between the pipes, it'll be uh, new man Alex Nedeljkovic, who takes primarily, I would say, 55 games, maybe a little bit lower. Um, he comes in after uh, you know joining uh, Detroit in, in a trade that included Jonathan Bernier, uh, headed to the Hurricanes. A little bit of a head-scratcher, if I'm being totally honest with you. Uh, a young goalie who's 25 years of age has shown... Decent flashes, went 15-5-3 last year with a 1.90 goals against average. Like Those aren't bad numbers. I don't know why you trade that guy away. Um, but whatever Carolina's doing, uh, maybe maybe we'll all see it here in Detroit. He'll be back stopped by Thomas Grice, who's been um, – I, I don't even want to call Grice like a career backup. That is kind of what he's been. But he's been like a career split start guy um, <laughs> since his time uh, in in Long Island. You know, he number game played like 41, 51, 27, 43. So I, I think he's fully capable of sharing the crease here with Nell Djokovic if needed. Um, but again, I, I do think you bring in a young guy like that 
with a veteran, uh, you know, Grice is 35 years old. So a, a veteran that can kind of help him grow and, and develop here. And I think Thomas Grice is a great player to do that. Um, so for my part, like I said, about 55 games is where I see Nadal Djokovic maybe trending a little closer to 50 uh, this season. Yeah, I like this pairing, AJ, and uh, the acquisition of Nadelkovic was a real master stroke by, by Stevie Eiserman. It's the kind of move that you expect from a top-end GM to pluck uh, a young prospect out of a situation where he uh, he may not get the opportunity or may not get the money that, that he's due, and certainly Detroit looked after that to, to say, we have a lot of faith in this youngster and think he could be a number one here for a while. And so that's that's the profile that he has with the Red Wings. And Grice, to your point, has been a very solid 1B wherever he's been in the past, mostly with Long Island in his career, but showed well in, in stints in, in, with Detroit last year as well when you consider a 270 goals against average in a, on a team that was playing against a lot, a lot of league heavyweights for much of their season last season. So that situation will not be changed for him and I think it's a great insurance policy with Nadelkovic number one and Grice the insurance policy at number two I, I agree with your split I think it could be 50 32 and uh, a couple of quality guys back there for sure uh, another team where a lot of people are really high on the Florida Panthers AJ I don't know where I land on this just yet because I do see some concerns, but uh, you've got to be excited about their number one center, Alexander Barkov. He's underrated. When you talk about the top centers in the league, he should be right there in the discussion that's the next tier below the obvious names of Matthews and uh, McDavid and 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 uh, McKinnon, let's say. He's in the next tier below that, and, and he should threaten. He might even be a top 10 scorer in this league. He was better than a point-per-game player last year, and he really formed an excellent partnership with, with Carter Verhage last season. And uh, Sam Reinhardt is a guy who had a big point total last year. And uh, I think I think he's a, that's a great combination at the number one forward line. And uh, Jonathan Huberdeau... Uh, Goes dropped down to a second line situation. Sam Bennett centering him. He came on strong after a trade that brought him into the situation here in Florida and looked really good there. They're looking for Owen Tippett to take the next step in his development. He was a high draft pick not so long ago. He had 18 points last year and he needs to take the next step. Otherwise, he's going to be threatened by Anthony Duclair, who right now is penciled in to a third line situation. He had 32 points last year. So you could see those two guys challenging one another for for that second line position on that wing. Mason Marchman and Joe Thornton, ex of the Toronto Maple Leafs, both of these guys. Uh, I had a lot of time for Matt Marchman. He was a top prospect in the Toronto organization. Brings a lot of size to the, to the table, some grit. And uh, if he could find a little bit of scoring touch, he would be a real uh, find here in Florida and uh, a real sleeper pick, in my opinion. I don't like Joe Thornton as a third-line center here, AJ. I'm going to come out and say that right away. I think the experiment in Toronto failed early on to, to include him as a top-six forward. That's not his profile anymore, and I don't think he's a third-liner either. I think time has caught up to Joe, uh, sur surefire Hall of Famer, and I don't know if he reaches the 20-point mark like he did last season, even though he's going to play hopefully a few more games than he did last year. Guys like uh, Patrick Hornquist and Frankie Vitrano, nice insurance policies on the fourth line. They're not your typical fourth line players, and that's where I think people start to get excited about this team, that they can afford to put pl players like this on a fourth unit. So that's where a lot of the excitement comes from. I just wonder if Tippett can deliver the goods, for Hagee can repeat. So there are some question marks here for me. 
Yeah, there definitely are question marks, but I, you know, I think Sam Reinhardt might be, uh, you know, we'll see how the season goes, but might be the best acquisition of, the, of this last offseason. Yeah, they had to give up a, a you know, a first round pick to get him, but talking about a player that's hit the 20 goal mark in four straight years, five of the last six, uh, and, and I think is a real great addition to the, the top of their lineup here. Um, you know, and, and I think they'll be, you know, pretty happy if they can get another 20 goals out of him. Verhege, as you mentioned, his first year in Tampa, he came pretty close to that as well. He had 18 goals. Um, in 43 games. So you talk, again, 82-game season, like, that's that's pushing 30. So um, I, I love this group here that they have. The, the nice part about having Reinhardt and Verhege is it allows them to split up Barkov and Huberto to give themselves some more roster flexibility. Um, and, and like you said, you know, if Owen Tippett doesn't set, step it up necessarily, I think Vitrano, Hornquist, Duclair, any one of those guys could certainly be in the mix for, for a top spot here. Uh, on the blue line, we see Mackenzie Weger and Aaron Ekblad as the top pairing. Uh, I, you know, it's not much really different for this group. Uh, Brendan Montour, Gus, uh, uh, who they brought in last year uh, at the trade deadline, he'll get a full season with Florida, which I think will benefit his numbers. Uh, he hasn't really had, you know, he hasn't broken 20 in the last uh three seasons, but he's been playing in Buffalo. Like, come on. <laughs> what, what, you know, the years before that, he had 25 in Anaheim, 32 the year before that. I think that's closer to the ceiling that we'll see from Montour this season, especially paired up with, with Gustav Forsling. Um, I, I, I like, I like this group. I don't have a lot of concerns really about, you know, the bottom of the lineup either. New Tavar, Gudis, Connaughton, more shutdown guys who, who will produce. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of concerns here either, Paul. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to say the defense here, I think, is one of the, the interesting parts of this team, too, that uh, should be. I, I'll say there's some questions here as well. Weger is a guy that will partner very well with Aaron Ekblad, but they lost Keith Yandel. That's a big, a bigger loss than most people are accounting for. And you wonder if Weger can fit in and deliver the goods off last season's performance, 36 points in, 50, in his games played last year. That's better than a point every two games. So he should be penciling in for 40 to 45 minimum, I would say, if he wants to achieve that level of production. Again, Aaron Ekblad is the guy, though, people are going to be watching for, AJ, and should be the linchpin on the back end here. He only had 22 points, and he's going to have to double that at least to uh, to lead this team in a manner that you would expect a top-tier team to perform and have a, a guy like that on their back end. Brandon Montour, probably the best of the rest, in my opinion. 18 points is what he got last year. Gustav Forsling, 17. If these guys can each get 30 to 35, I think that the Panthers will be held happy. And uh, beyond that, uh, Radko Gouda is one of the toughest guys to play against in this league. So that's that's what he brings to the table. And Nudavara is also going to be cast in that shutdown defensive role. In the Nets, this is where the intrigue is re really gets into high gear for me, AJ. And uh, the, a lot of people are talking about Spencer Knight as a real challenge to Sergei Bobrovsky. And I think Bobrovsky needs to be challenged, quite frankly. I've maligned him in this corner for a couple of seasons. Those two years that he's had in Florida performed very ordinarily, not living up to the big price tag of over $8 million a year in cap money going to him. Spencer Knight will be given a chance to unseat him, I think, at some point this season. And if he does, he's got a shot to be rookie of the year. 
Yeah, absolutely. This this has to be one of the most intriguing uh, goalie combos that that we have seen uh, this season. You know, you've got a, an established veteran who's making you know hand over fist in terms of dollars, and a youngster who has really stepped in quite well to start his NHL career. Now, can he do it every single night? Can he do it against, you know, elite level competition? Like there, there are certainly still questions, you know, his, his deb, but his debut was, was fantastic. So um, we'll see. We'll have to watch this one and, and see how it breaks down because, um, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky normally, you know, based on the salary, I think you'd say is a lock to play almost every night, but that's clearly something that they've shown is not the case. And, using Spencer Knight during the playoffs. And, and yeah, I, I'm so intrigued to watch this one throughout the season. Yeah, I think I think Bobrovsky should play more than half the games. But like I said, if they give Knight half a chance, it might be an interesting surprise and development there that impacts uh, the, the trophy race for the, the rookie of the year for sure. And uh, you wonder how they'll fare in the standings if they rely on him more than Bobrovsky too. We'll get to that at the end of the show. But for now, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's signature NHL hockey podcast. We call it podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. Stick around. We'll be back right after these messages. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
All right, we're back on uh, the podcast with Statsman and AJ, and we also want to introduce our listeners to our main sponsor, Owner's Box. Uh, over to you, AJ. Tell us all about it. Yeah, you're looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament, salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box's new Super Flex Salary Cap Game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats and daily fantasy games. The Super Flex Salary Cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defense position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position, the main differentiator of the contest, gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box will have NHL contests live on the site for the start of the season. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use the promo code DREW9 for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only 50K Salary Cap Contest. So we welcome Owner's Box aboard. But before we continue on with the four remaining teams, let's also have AJ remind our listeners how to get in touch with us during the week. Yeah, absolutely. We are always open to your comments and questions on Twitter. We love interacting with all of our listeners and helping you with your fantasy teams. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at AJSouls24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. If we get a really good question, we are happy to share those questions on upcoming shows as well. So please reach out to us, uh, hit us up with those questions, comments, uh, and we are here to help. You know what, AJ, one question did come my way, and it was regarding the the five-part series on Amazon regarding the Maple Leaf season last year. I honestly didn't think I'd watch it. But with that question, I was prompted, and I thought, let me take a look at it. And they did watch it. And I encourage others to, to take a look behind the scenes of, of a typical season for an, a typical NHL team. Uh, they covered a lot of the key storylines and gave us a little more color relating to some of them, including the Tavares injury, uh, the situation with Freddie Anderson's uncertain health uh, physically uh, during the course of the season and that sort of thing. Uh, a really interesting look behind the, ca- behind the scenes, behind the screens, and, and really get up close to see what uh, made some of these players tick during a season that obviously didn't end the way that they had hoped. But uh, intriguing for me anyway. And it takes us to the rival that knocked him out in that first round. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, the forward lines, AJ. What do you make of, of the composition of this group? I'll let you wax poetic about them first. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's up in the air. I think that's about the only thing you can say here. You know, Paul Byron um, still dealing with a hip injury that will keep him out until likely the end of December. Mike Hoffman has also been facing a, an absence. He should at least be ready to go maybe a week into the season. Um, so it, it's so up in the air right now that it's just hard to trust anything that you're, you're seeing from this team. But look, here's my best guess, or our best guess, Paul, as what we'll see for opening night. Um, I do think Hoffman is a contender to be a top-line guy here. 
uh, entering, you know, week two, week three of the season, whenever he gets back. But for now, it looks like we'll see Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield here. Look, I, you know, I am excited about Cole Caulfield. We have talked about him on our, you know, on the DraftKings show. Um, maybe it's a little bit of Regency biased, uh, as I am a, a Wisconsin Badgers uh, faithful. In fact, uh, I'm going to the game on, on Saturday, the season opener, so looking forward to that as well. But um, I, I think Caulfield can have a big, big year and, and should be right in the mix, if, if not uh, taking home the, the Calder Trophy this season. So definitely you're going to want to key in on him. They've got Nathan Druin back with the team after uh, a leave of absence he took last year with Christian Dvorak and Brendan uh, Gallagher, although it could also be Josh Anderson. that Those two guys could flip back and forth throughout the season. Uh, but for now, we'll put Gallagher on the third line with Jake Evans and Arturi, uh, or Joel Armia. Cedric Paquette, another player that's banged up right now, is going to play, it looks like, in uh, their or isn't going to play in their next preseason game. So uh, he might not be back until opening night situation to really watch there. So, um, yeah, there's so many injuries to know exactly what you're going to get from this group. I, I just don't know how you make heads or tails of it right now um, when you have all these guys banged up, Paul. Yeah, they're really pinning their hopes uh, uh, on a real recovery uh, season for Jonathan Drouin. You mentioned him. He's probably the most skilled forward on this team outside of Caulfield and Suzuki, I'll say. But his profile was missing from the playoffs. He, he was in a state uh, that didn't make him fit to play, dealing with some of the demons, I suppose, that maybe are facing Carey Price at the moment. So uh, we hope that he can get his act together like Price and deliver on the ice and feel good about his life uh, on a day-to-day -day basis off the ice going forward. And uh, if he does, this guy is a, is at least a 40 to 45 point player. He he looks like he's going to be given every chance to play in a top six role. But uh, the key, I think, offensively is how does Christian Dvorak fit into this team? He toiled in relative anonymity in, in Arizona. This is going to be a big deal, a big change for him under the bright lights of, of uh, the microscope that is to play in Montreal Colors, and he did get 31 points last year. That would translate to a 50-point season in 80 games. I think the Canadians should be happy with that. It would be a career high for Dvorak should he reach the 50-point plateau, if uh, memory serves. The Suzuki is, is the superstar in waiting next to Caulfield. That could be a pretty nice dynamic one-two, and so the left wing on that position, on that line, uh, plum opportunity. Hoffman, you mentioned, is dealing with injuries. Toffoli likely to fill in that that. Uh, situation and he will be challenged to produce at the rate that he did last year 44 points which would translate into a 60 plus point season I'm going to say this right now I don't think he gets there I think you see a bit of regression in his game uh, he had almost a career best uh, level of performance and, and the visibility they got in Montreal certainly went right to his legs. He, he played great, but I think that we're looking at a step backward here in, in terms of him, Lar largely because of the challenge for ice time that he'll see if Drouin is successful in his return and Hoffman makes good on his debut in Montreal. Uh, Josh Anderson, a guy that I really like in terms of the st size and physicality that brings to the game, as well as a nice set of hands is a, is a real good insulator on that right wing and he'll flip-flop with Gallagher you mentioned quite rightly Gallagher probably fits in as a third line where they're going to give Anderson every opportunity to be that physical presence along with the the Danglers Dvorak and Druin on a pretty dynamic looking second line 
And uh, they got insurance on, on the depth chart. Yoel Armia performed well in fits and starts last season. Ditto for Arturi Lekkonen. Paul Byron, if he's healthy, could factor into that mix. So they have the opportunity to, for, uh, to, to ice four pretty good forward lines. Just don't know where they'll fit right now. And the best thing I can advise is to keep an eye on the Rotowire depth charts that AJ helps uh, update on a daily basis from the headquarters in, in Wisconsin and uh, make your best bet on game day to see who's playing with who because there's going to be a lot of shuffling around here. The Boston, uh, the Montreal defense, rather, is going to have a different look because Shea Weber is injured and out for the season, maybe even his career, with a very bad ankle injury and a lot of miles on him. So uh, Jeff Petrie is going to be the guy that carries the load offensively, and he's one of the best at it. He got 42 points last season, but he's in his mid-30s, and so you wonder if there's a possible regression there, AJ. I'll ask you to comment on that. The heir apparent, maybe to his role, is one Alexander Romanov, who only got a a few minutes of ice time until he played the last few games in the in the last round of the playoffs. He was uh, in the press box for most of it. They're looking for him as a youngster to take the next step in his development and maybe assume some power play minutes as well. But looks to me like he's going to be number two behind Petrie in terms of offense from the back end. They made a nice signing to get David Savard into the mix. He and Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson are three tall oaks that will dot the, the blue line depth chart and make it a real minefield for players in front of the net. But maybe Savard is, is a, a low-end uh, offensive option as well. I see Romanoff and Petrie, though, carrying the mail here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't have any reason to think you know Petrie would, would have a drop-off here. You're looking at four straight 40-point uh, campaigns, and, and that includes hitting those thresholds in, in the last two seasons that have been you know, shortened. Um, so I, I, I think by all counts, there, there's nothing I've seen. Yeah, he's getting to 33, you know, a little bit older, uh, maybe, you know, a quarter of a step slower, but I haven't seen anything there to indicate that he can't continue to produce and he'll maintain his spot as long as he's healthy as the top power play uh, quarterback with them. The guy I'm most intrigued here is Chris Weidman. Um, you know, had had a really good year in the, the KHL offensively, and I think he could try and stake a claim uh, for the second power play unit. But, yeah, obviously Shea Weber um, being done for the year is a significant loss, or, or career really, really is, a, is a big loss for them. Between the pipes, we talked about Carey Price. At a minimum, going to miss the first 14 games of the season. We'll see what it might uh, mean after after that or, or when they can expect uh, him back. But until then, it'll be Jake Allen who gets the, the bulk of the workload and, and they snag Samuel Montembeau off, off the waiver wire to, to bolster their net mining. I think that was a really good choice by them. Um, obviously, you know, maybe they had some additional information. If I have a concern about Jake Allen being the guy at least here for the start of the season, it's the fact that the last two years he hasn't played in more than 30 games. Um, you know, has really, in Montreal, 29 games last year, hasn't really been a number one guy for, for a couple of years since, you know, really since your buddy uh, Jordan Bennington came into the into league in, in St. Louis there. So, yeah, the workload's gone down for him, um, and, I, and that can certainly be a factor, but... Of all the teams I think we've talked about so far today, I think there may be, um, you know what, actually I'm not going to say that. I, I, I was going to say there may be the best side up to lose their, their true number one, but actually, you know, we've talked about 
uh, liking the Detroit and Florida goalie combinations. But I, I think they'll be okay here, especially if they can get price back, uh, you know, within a month or even maybe two months. Uh, they, they should be okay, I think. Yeah, that won't be the weak point of this team. And they, they picked up Samuel Montembeau from the Florida Panthers as insurance. So he probably will be Allen's backup in the early going and may have some fantasy value as a result of that if he gets any kind of a run. Uh, could be a surprise value, actually, behind a pretty stout Montreal defense. But again, uh, the success and failure of this team largely predicated on when will Carey Price check back into the lineup and and uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later on all on all fronts there. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are a team that uh, is being plagued this offseason by the fact that Brady Tachuk is held, held out uh, for a, his contract situation is in limbo right now. He is the leader of this team on the ice, AJ, when, when they are uh, at full strength. And by all accounts, he's not going to be ready to start the, the regular season. Uh, you wonder how much time he's going to need to get back up to speed if and when he does get signed back up. And, uh, and oh, I'll, I'll edit that, don't worry. Like that, 49 minutes. Okay. So, anyway, uh, back to what I was saying. Carey Price, uh, Carey Price, let me botch that. The Ottawa forward line situation, Brady Tuchuk, is really the question mark for me. They got to sort out his contract situation, AJ. And uh, if and when they do, he definitely lines up as, as a key part of this offense. He got 36 points last year. And the likely guy that will center him on that top line looks to be Josh Norris at the moment. Drake Batherson filling things in on the right wing. They uh, also have to look on the second line of Tim Stutzler, the, the star rookie last year, hoping to take another step in his development. I think you could see a 50-plus point season out of him. And maybe does Shane Pinto move into a scoring line center role? Because Colin White looks like he's lost to this team for a little while uh, with the injury that he suffered against the Leafs the other night. So there's some question marks about the depth chart there. Uh, we don't know the, the severity of the injury, but it didn't look very good when I was watching the game the other night. Connor Brown, uh, I have a lot of time for this guy, AJ. Formerly of the Maple Leafs, he's just a, an honest player and gives you everything he's got every night. So you don't have to worry about him. You just plug and play, and he'll get that option as a second-line right winger here. And uh, Zach Sanford, an interesting addition late in the training camp and a trade with St. Louis, comes to town and bolsters that wing uh, position. And I wonder if Tuchuk's out of lineup, it'll be Stutzley and Stanford uh, on the left wing on the top two lines. Chris Tierney, a third-line center who could move up if Pinto falters in that second-line uh, center role. They've got a lot of youth at the center position, so you'll see those three positions flip-flop. Nick Paul might even factor into the top nine offensively. Beyond that, it's Austin Math, Austin Watson and Scott Sabrin who make more noise with their fists and their sticks this season. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big blow, I think, to lose Col uh, Colin White for four to six months here when you have everything else going on um, with Tuchuk not being ready uh, to, you know, again, how long is he going to take to get up to speed? Hopefully... Uh, his legs are at least under him, but, you know, he's missed the entirety of the preseason. I don't know what sort of uh, COVID protocols he'll have to go through once he does sign the new deal, um, if there's going to be uh, visa issues that he has to figure out. You know, there's a whole host of things um, that could delay his debut even once once he signs here. And so all that factored in and, and made a lot of sense why they signed Tyler Ennis to a permanent contract. Uh, earlier today 
one year $900,000 deal. So they're not breaking the bank. He had been in camp just on uh, a professional tryout here. His best season, uh, at least, you know, since 2014-15, his best season since then came uh, a couple years ago with Ottawa. He put up 33 points in 61 games and, and logged a pretty good chunk of time on the power play. And I think even if he is filling a bottom six role, I would wholeheartedly anticipate him being uh, on the power play, perhaps even the, the top uh, power play unit here for them because, you know, that he has – that ability to kind of be a, a specialist, if you will. On the blue line, it'll be uh, a familiar pairing up top in terms of Thomas Shabbat and Nikita Zaitsev. Shabbat obviously being the guy who will push the, the attack here. Um, they didn't do much, in, in my opinion, to really bolster any sort of offensive output, more focus on kind of shutdown guys, and they added Michael Delzato and Nick Holden. Um, they'll, they'll pair up Delzato with... Looks like he'll be with Artem Zub and Holden with Eric Branstrom. Um, Victor Mete is an X-Factor here. He's a player that periodically seems to show he can play offense at the NHL level and then completely disappears for an extended period of time. <laughs> so uh, I, I think here it's kind of Shabbat or bust in terms of offense. You know, maybe Zaitsev could chip in, you know, maybe get over the, the 20 mark here. But I wouldn't expect a whole heck of a lot from him. Uh, but Paul, you obviously know him better from his time in Toronto. Is is there any reason to think he can be a bigger factor? No, I agree with you. I think he's more of a shutdown pairing guy and maybe defensive consciousness around Shabbat. But there's always intrigue around Michael Delzato, AJ. This is a guy who's flashed offensive ability throughout his career, but it's been for two or three weeks at a time, and then he goes and disappears. So I'd keep an eye on when whether he gets a chance to be uh, a pilot on the on the Ottawa power play if they want to give uh, them a different look or maybe he play, uh, pilots the second group that's that's a guy that uh, is intriguing for me uh, among this grouping and you wonder if Victor Mete is going to factor in at all he had been a guy that uh, there was some promise uh, in his future a couple of years ago in Montreal but it hasn't materialized yet and you wonder if he gets a chance to fill an offensive role maybe maybe a deep sleeper pick there in the Ottawa depth chart but I agree with you uh, Nick Shabbat uh, Thomas Shabbat is the guy that that is the guy that we'll be looking for uh, the elite offensive numbers from the Ottawa defensive core the goalie situation, AJ, they're looking for a rebound year from Matt Murray, who was plagued by injury. You'll have a lot more to say about him than I, I'm sure. He was limited to only 24 decisions. He needs to play more than half the schedule here, and he's being paid like he should. He had a 338 goals against average. I'm going to go on record as saying he's going to be way better than that this year. And I think a, a big part of a significant offense uh, improvement in the Ottawa Fortunes will be tied directly to how well he plays. They've also got a top prospect in Philip Gustafsson, who was going to get a chance to play a little more uh, this season. He had a 216 goals against in eight decisions last year in a limited role. So I think you're going to see 55, 50 to 55 games for Murray and Gustafsson getting most of the rest. Maybe Anton Forsberg gets a look-see for a handful of games as well. That's, a, that's about all I would, I would expect, Paul. I, I don't see a whole lot of changes. The problem has been and will continue to be Matt Murray's health, um, and can he stay healthy? And that's something that thus far he has shown the answer to that question is is no. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of what their season or part of their season is is at least pinned on here. In terms of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
we will uh, see something that we have not seen in a very long time for this team, and that's Nikita Kucherov playing in a regular season game. <laughs> By all accounts, he will be ready to go on Tuesday for opening night. I'm excited to watch that one as it's conveniently also the Penguins' first game of the year. <laughs> so it'll be Andre Palat, Brady Point, and Nikita Kucherov on the top line. We've got Alex Kalorn, uh, Steven Stamkos, and then the youngster Alex Barry Boulay. Uh, I think I got that right. Yeah. I'll let you correct me with Perfect. Uh, your, Perfect. your increased knowledge of, of French-Canadian pronunciations here, but... Uh, uh, he'll he'll get the first crack here at that uh, that second line role, and if there's a more plum assignment in the league for a young guy to step into, I'm I'm not sure there's one better. All he has to do is kind of hang on to really uh, you know join these guys in the the thirty to forty point threshold here. Now Matthew Joseph will have a ton to say about that, and will certainly be a factor. He penciled in for the third line with Anthony Sorelli and Ross Colton. I actually really like this fourth line, Paul. A um, couple of guys that maybe uh, you could argue are a little past their prime, a little over the hill. Um, but what they might lack in a, a bit of speed these days, they certainly will make up for it in experience and uh, you know hockey IQ. And that's Patrick Maroon. Pierre Edward, Belmar, and Corey Perry. Uh, look, that'll be a tough group to pay, play against. You have, uh, you know, two motivated guys in, in Belmar and Perry who want, you know, they they came to Tampa to win a cup. I mean, there's no arguing. That's why you sign with the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, um, and so they're going to be motivated and, and willing to do whatever it is that they're asked of to try and win. And, and that's what we've seen out of Patrick Maroon here. You know, there's a guy. 27 goals at his career high, has been a 42-point producer last season, just four goals, but his ice time was only around 11 minutes. Like They they asked him to fill a role, he did it, uh, and his name is etched on the cup twice now because of it. So uh, Three times, actually. I forgot about uh, winning with, with St. Louis. So uh, he's, he's looking for the four-peat here, and I'm sure we'll want to do that. Well, I... I uh... I'll begin where we should with, in terms of highlighting the new face here on the second line, is Alex Barriboule. If he performs well, he could be in, in the running for the Calder Trophy uh, with uh, Caulfield as obviously the front runner there. But Barriboule's got that plum assignment, as you suggested. And we know Stan Coase is going to be motivated. We know Killorn is a wily veteran. And these guys are both going to get their points. They both got over a point every two games last year and there's no reason to suspect that they won't both top the 50 point mark and maybe even higher than that i think they should be pointed higher than that if they do they'll bring barry boulet in in their wake and he could get up to 40 points as well so the the ceiling for him is 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 very high and uh, the opportunity is great so it's up to him to capitalize on that i wonder what we're going to get out of kucherov in a full year he of course didn't register any regular season points but he should be a top 10 scorer in this league and the partnership with him and point should put both of them in that that realm and so that makes andre palat a very intriguing pick for me i always look for the sidekick when you're talking dynamic duos and 
Andre Palat is penned into that role in the first line. So don't wait too long before you snap him up in your season-long pools as well. The third line is an interesting one. They they had a very tough checking third line last year. They're going to have another one this year with maybe the most defen uh, defensively responsible center in the mix here, Sorelli, competing for the Selkie Award. Joseph and Col Colton both have some offense to their game as well. So they'll score more than the third line did last year too. So I don't think there's a step backward in the top nine in, in Tampa's forwards. And I, I love the fourth line when you think about the Wiley Vets, Maroon and Perry around Belmar who can play. Uh, uh, he's played up uh, upwards of third and second line in his past. So lots of depth offensively and lots of insurance should somebody in the top six fall down to injury. You're going to get good value from guys that plug into those roles. The defense scoring uh, core begins and ends, I think, when you talk about fantasy value with Victor Hedman. Should be one of the top three offensive pieces in the NHL from the back end. Uh, Ryan McDonough, his best days offensively are behind him. He had 12 points last year, so don't overrate him in terms of the offense that he brings to the table. The second guy in the in the in the offensive scoring from the back end is Mikhail Sergachev. He got 30 points last year. That translates to 40-45 in a fuller schedule, and maybe he gets to run the second power play, and maybe he gets a run on the first to give Edmund a bit of a break ice time-wise. So uh, I think there's a lot of value in picking Sergachev up in your pools. Zach Bogosian joins the club as a real good, solid conscience to the third pairing as well, allowing maybe Sergachev to flex some of that offensive muscle. And then we've winded up with Eric Zernak as another guy who has some offense to his game, picked up 18 points last year, and I could pencil him into 30 or 35 in this grouping. Yeah, I don't have much to really add there, Paul. I mean, it obviously starts and stops with, with Victor Hedman. But yeah, Mikhail Sergachev, uh, another capable offensive piece. So I'll just dive into the netminders here. Look, last season, Andre Vasilevsky started 75% of their games. And the games he didn't start went to Curtis McElhinney and Christopher Gibson. And they went 5-7-2. and two. Um, Not exactly... Uh, overwhelming uh, numbers. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, to kind of shore that up, they brought in Brian Elliott, which I think is a fantastic addition. Um, one, I love when uh, Wisconsin Badger players move away from the Flyers and I can start cheering for them again. That's always <laughs> a bonus here. But you bring in a guy who is capable of playing limited opportunities um, and, and backing up in a way that doesn't see you losing games. Uh, and, and that's what they really did have previously. So if you carry over that 75% mark, you look at Vasilevsky playing about 60 to 62 games. That means Brian Elliott will get about 20 of them. Um, and, I, and I think he's fully capable of, look, putting up anywhere between 12 and 15 wins in 20 games. So that, you know, that's all you really need um, from this team to, you know, when you have Vasilevsky, you're not asking your number two guy to do much. Perhaps the, the most difficult thing is just to be ready between the infrequency of the starts. And I think Brian Elliott has shown himself capable of that. Um, I, I did actually think he was a good addition uh, when he was with the Flyers to kind of uh, be somebody that Carter Hart could lean on. Uh, obviously now he, he won't have to be in that leadership role um, in, in terms of the net mining here. So, uh, Paul, I will let you take it from there with the goalies, and then conveniently that sets you up 
to lead us into our next club. That's right. Uh, the uh, Vasilevsky is going to be the best goalie in hockey once again. I don't think there's much doubt about that. So he'll be the first guy that goes in your season-long drafts. If you get a chance to grab him, uh, he'll reward you, no question. But I, I think you make a great point to raise the comments about Brian Elliott that you did. He had a 15-9-2 record last year, a 306 goals against that number is going to go down in, in the Tampa situation, but I think the win percentage could be just as high, and that, that will be a, uh, a real boon to the Tampa team. Maybe it affords them even to look at reducing Vasilevsky's work, workload a titch, but not much more than that. I think he's still going to be among the lead leaders in wins. And conveniently, we now reach the 32nd team in our season preseason previews, and it's my favorite club, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, as with several other well, let's. Uh, uh, the comparable for me is the Florida Panthers. There's a lot expected of the Leafs, just as there is with Florida, but there's a lot of changes afoot in Toronto, and they focus, for me, on the left wing among the top two lines. There's no question that Matthews and Marner will play together, Tavares and Nylander will play together, so the key assignments and the big wins are for whoever on the roster gets to play left wing minutes with those two, and Nick Ritchie's had a very nice camp, AJ. He's really opened up my eyes. I got a closer look at his game than I ever have had in the past. Years ago, I'll remind our listeners, and it kind of came down to a draft situation, the Leafs were considering Richie or Nylander in the first round. And so they picked Nylander and Richie went just after. And now they got both these guys in the mix. And boy, this guy for a big man has the softest hands. He's got a nice touch around that. And he's going to get some layups from, from Marner and Matthews, I think. So, so... I'm sorry about that, AJ. I gotta edit that. Let me start that again. Anything to talk about Toronto and yeah. nauseum. All right. You probably texted yourself there. No, no, no. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I get phone calls through the. Even though I silence my phone, they they come through my computer too. So, bit of a situation mm. here. Any case, I'll start with the Toronto again. Oh shoot! I'll, let me just call. Stop the record. Hello. Yes, you're very good. Now I'm I'm still recording, Digger, so I'm gonna have to call you back. I stopped the recording so I could touch base with you, but as soon as I'm done and, and finished with all my stuff, I'll okay. call you right back, okay? Okay, you talked to AJ by the way? Yes. Say hi to him for me to Digger and uh, but the other thing quickly is that do you want in he's in the Champions League for hockey, uh the FSGA, do you want in the other league as well on Monday over doing draft? So I figured you're still with Rotowire and everything else. That's what I wanted to ask. You. Absolutely. Count me in. Okay, so he's in the other league. Okay. So just say hi to AJ for me. But uh, uh, I figured you might want in, and there was an opening that came available. So I thought I'll call you before I can check with anybody else. Thanks very much, Dig. So, Rotowire, call me back afterwards. Cheers. Thank you. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 Make sure you don't stop. No, no, no. Right. I know, I know. Okay, uh, AJ, that was Digger Turnbull. Yeah, I could kind of hear a little bit. Yeah, he said to say hi, and he's invited me to join a league with him. Uh, I guess you already did, so looking forward to finding what the, what this is all about. But in any case, I'll I'll start with the Maple Leafs talk again. So uh, in three, two, one. All right, that brings us to the 32nd team of our preseason previews, and conveniently for me, I've saved the best for last. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs that we'll talk about, and... Uh, there's no questions about four of the six top uh, forwards. In Matthews and Marner, they're going to be a dynamic duo, and so are Tavares and Nylander, but it's the left-wing position on that 
Toronto club that is up for grabs. And uh, I'll say this, Nick Ritchie has made a fine case for himself in the preseason so far, and he brings a lot of size as well as a pair of soft mitts around the crease. And he's going to be the recipient of some layups, I think, from the other two guys, Matthews and Marner, should he hold on to that role. And I think he's primed for a big season offensively. I'm going to pick him for upwards of 45 points. Should he be able to hold on to that role, he could even do higher than that. And then the second line, Michael Bunting has similarly opened some eyes in in his preseason with the Leafs. He had 10 goals in 21 games last year in Arizona. He's a pest in the mold of Zach Hyman, and that's the guy that he's going to replace among the top six as well. Uh, and he'll he's penciled in to partner with Tavares and Nylander here. That leaves David Camp as an import from the Chicago situation and other clubs before that. He's going to be tasked with being the checking line center here in Toronto. Had 12 points last year. I think the Leafs will be happy if he just continues to be that shutdown type that they hope that he can be. And if he gets upwards of 30, 35 points, they'll be thrilled with that. And uh, Alex Kerfoot, a guy that showed well in the playoffs, one of the few Leafs that did, is going to be a third line winger, but also could flip-flop in the center position there. Ilya Mikhaev looking to make a big bigger splash offensively as well. He's made some noise in the in the camp uh, on and off the ice. He wants a bigger role, and he's got to, he's got to bring a chip on his shoulder to the play. And uh, he's penciled in as a third line winger, but should anybody falter, maybe even Bunting or Richie, he'll get a shot in the top six there. Beyond that, Andre Kashe is hoping to be healthy this season, and he's another guy that's played with Nick Richie in two other camps, uh, two other teams uh, before. So that's a rarity in my memory to see three, uh, two guys play with partners in three different clubs in the NHL. Kasha, not not knowing where he's going to fit in, AJ, but could be an injury insurance type. And uh, I wonder if they put him in the minors and kind of hide him there uh, in the meantime, because I don't see him playing fourth line minutes. Those roles are going to be for Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons, much the same as the Tampa situation, two veterans there. And maybe they play play with a Pierre Engvall. But uh, one other name that I got to mention is Josh Hosang. This guy was formerly a high draft pick in the NHL, and uh, he's got his head on right, and he's impressed me in the camp that he's had, and the Leafs just signed him to an AHL contract. This guy was a high pick in the draft uh, a few years ago, and uh, if he uh, if he does have that uh, mental side of the game squared away, I wouldn't be surprised to see him join the club uh, later in the year, but he has to have a big start in the AHL, and that's the challenge before him. Oh, sorry, Paul. I, I fell asleep there. I, I figured, you know, you, know, you were just going to keep going. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, look, the, the only um, the only thing I, I really want to add, just, you know, I <clears throat> I hope uh, our, our listeners wouldn't overreact too much here. There is some possibility here that Austin Matthews is not going to be ready for opening night. I don't anticipate that lasting beyond maybe a week. So, uh, you know, when you're in your drafts and you see that little, you know, injury designation that's to Austin Matthews, like, ignore it. Um, is all I'm going to add there is a guy that, even if he misses two, three games, should be, you know, 40 goals should be a breeze for him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him push for 50. He nearly got there in 1920. And so um, certainly a player to, to watch and, and really not too concerned. Uh, about the injury tag there on the blue line uh, it'll be Morgan Riley and TJ Brody Uh, I think what I'm most excited here about Brody uh, is to see if a full you know like another year kind of in the system can he rediscover that offensive game because it, it wasn't there the last year in Calgary 
It really wasn't there the first year in Toronto. Uh, can he find it? I, I think is my biggest question. The, the, the hard part is that the power play numbers, I don't think, are going to be there. They weren't the last two years, and it directly saw his production drop off. So if he can maybe force his way into some more power play opportunities, I, I think we should be able to expect at least more than 14. Like, that that was a bad season for him. Let's let's just call a spade a spade there. Um, and, and I do think he could hopefully get back there. Um, the hard part is, you know, Jake Muzzin is a guy that uh, also can be right about that, that mark. He had 27 points last year. Uh, and, and, you know, again, not a ton of power play opportunities the last couple of years, but could be a candidate there. So I guess, Paul, that would be my, you know, maybe biggest question on this blue line. Riley is going to quarterback the number one. Is it Brody? Is it uh, Muzzin? Is it both? Or is it somebody else that maybe takes the lead on that second unit? Because I think there's some some value there that can be added to whoever gets that assignment. Yeah, I'm going to throw the name of Rasmus Sandin into the mix, AJ. He got a look at, at that role in bits and pieces last season, and I think the Leafs are looking for him to assume it on a more regular basis going forward. He's also had a very strong camp with the Maple Leafs as well in that position. So I think while he's penciled in to be a third-pairing defenseman to start the season, he may even threaten Justin Hall for second-pairing minutes if all goes well. I really see him primed for a a next move in his career path, and it's going to threaten Hall for regular minutes on that second pairing, but it's also going to elevate him to a power play second-line situation behind Morgan Riley. I mean, they've got insurance in T.J. Brody, who's done it in the past, but they're looking really for Riley to be that 50-plus point guy in the back end. Two years ago, he got 70, so if, if they can get that kind of a year out of him, they better think about signing him very early this season because by the end of the year, if he's upwards of 50 points, he's going to cost more than they can afford. And that's really the question mark looking long-term in the situation. But Morgan Riley is really the linchpin of the power play on the top line and should be rewarded by a regular role there and at least a 50-point season in the bank. You can lock that up for sure. Then the goalie situation is one that uh, is looking different than it has in the last five years. There's no Freddie Anderson in the mix, AJ. But instead, they've got holdover Jack Campbell, who had an outstanding regular season. 17-3-2 was the record with a 215 goals against average. And he showed me that he is a guy that can handle a workload. He played a lot of those games in a row and did it with some some great efforts back-to-back-to-back. And uh, so they're looking for him to be one part of the goaltending mix. But they also effectively swapped goalies with Carolina. And they've got Peter Morazic in now to challenge Campbell for ice time. They gave him $3.8 million a year over the next three, each of the next three years. So they're expecting big things from him. him and it wouldn't surprise me to see him challenge Campbell and maybe get more games than Campbell eventually. But Campbell will be in the Nets opening night. And from then on, it's, it's game on in terms of a battle between two quality backstops. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking winning in is probably what what we'll see most of here. Um, you know, the the expectations, as you said, they're, they're high for the Leafs. They have been for a number of years, and they can't afford to let you know Campbell or Morazic, you know, play through, uh, if you will, any any kind of mental games here. They they need guys that are going to win. So I think if there's uh, you know, a, a dip in, in performance here. It, it's going to be a quick, quick hook from Sheldon Keefe. Uh, and, and I would expect uh, winners get to keep the net at this point. 
All right, partner, we reached the part in the, in the show that people are waiting for our predictions in the order of finish. Without further ado, how do you think the standings will look after game 82 in the Atlantic Division this year? Well, I think really we're talking about like three three tiers here. There's there's the first and second team, there's the third and fourth team, and then there's kind of everybody else. And you could shuffle around, uh, you know, in, in any of those brackets. But for me... I just think Tampa Bay and Toronto are well ahead of the rest here. Um, and, and I just think it, it'll come down to one of the two of them. For me, I give the edge to Tampa solely based on the, on the net mining. You know, the, the, the star power might lean a little bit towards Toronto when you consider, you know, Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, Marner. Um, but the, the net mining is head and tails in Tampa Bay's favor. And that's not a knock on Toronto. Tampa Bay's net mining is better than everybody else in the league. <laughs> um, so that, that's my first tier, and, and I give Tampa Bay the edge over Toronto. From there, the third spot is kind of between Florida and Boston. You know, again, Florida um, probably uh, you know has a little bit more depth that, that I like. We talked about a lot of good things there. Boston has the perfection line, um, and maybe some questions in goal. I think that's going to hurt Boston a little bit here. Florida's questions are in goal are which of these two players do we use? Boston's are can Linus Olmark be a number one? That's a more concerning question. So for me, I've got Florida as the three, Boston as the floor, and probably both making the playoff. Boston as the wild card here. Um, the rest of the way, uh, really, it could probably shuffle a little bit here. Um, I'm going to put Detroit as the five. And, and, and we talked about their goalie situation. We talked about there being some pieces here and there and Montreal uh, comes in at six for me. There's, there's just too much that has started to pile up Hoffman Weber, uh, <clears throat> obviously price. Like there, there's too many things that have piled up for me to have any faith in this team, really being able to do anything this year. Ottawa comes in at seven only because as I said, Buffalo is, is a team that is, that is not very good right now. <laughs> um, they, they just aren't. Um, there's a chance that they could get there and, and develop the, these younger guys. But for me, um, I, I, have to put, um, I have to put Buffalo at the bottom. Yeah, I think that's one where we're going to agree. I don't see, and, and we agree at the top end of the, this division as well. I agree with you. I think Tampa's the class of the group. I hope the Leafs can stay in that, in that neighborhood, and they'll be challenged to do so because I think there's not going to be much of a drop-off when you talk about the Tampa club. A lot of people are high on Florida, but I see a few more holes than others do, and I, like you, pencil them no higher than third in this division. I think there's a little bit of a concern with me uh, in the departure of Keith Yandel that not too many people are talking about. He did so much for this club offensively and was a minute eater on that blue line as well. They're going to miss him, I think. And they got to sort out the goaltending situation. That's going to take some time. They should have tons of offense, and that's the, the key part of this team that gives them a little bit of a, an edge over the Boston Bruins. I think the production line you mentioned, they're a year older. And uh, Patrice Bergeron, one of the greats in this game in the last 15, 10 years for sure, uh, is probably the guy that I think they're going to hope that they can squeeze another quality season out of him, and that'll determine their fate, I think, whether they can, if they can stay with the likes of Toronto and Florida in this division. So for now, I've got them penciled in at fourth. 
And uh, the Ottawa team, I think, is a team that's got the big arrow going up for me. I think that we're going to see a big jump from them. They've got a, a wealth of talent, uh, a young talent on this club that they've accumulated up front. And I think a big turnaround from Matt Murray is going to be a key part of this season as well for this team. So I got them fifth place, uh, and it's largely uh, in part uh, due to the fact that I think Montreal is facing a lot of trouble out of the gate and it only got much worse this morning with the news from Carey Price's camp and again uh, uh, the sooner they write that situation the better for their fortunes I just don't think there's enough there in a very deep division to call this a playoff team this year and so that's maybe the biggest development in the Atlantic uh, outlook and beyond that Detroit hopefully will take an incremental step but they're in with a lot of heavyweights and so even though we pencil them in a seventh they are going to be an improved team and that means that there's going to be a heck of a lot of distance between them and maybe the worst team in the league in Buffalo. So that's the way I see it too. Ed, AJ, any final thoughts? We're a week away from the, the start of the regular season and next week I want to focus on the teams, the club's special teams. Uh, we'll take a look at the way they're looking and a key part of your draft preparation as well as maybe the final piece in our work uh, from where I sit. But anything you want to add before we wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're uh, we're getting so very, very close, Paul. It's uh, just a couple of days. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, October 12th, uh, a Tuesday. We will see uh, the defending champs, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, with the banner raising, followed by the debut of the Seattle Kraken on the 12th here. Both, uh, both games I definitely want to watch here, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to it. We'll get, uh, you know, get a chance to see the Kraken in action. We'll have to wait a little bit longer for their, their home opener, which I'm sure will be an exciting moment as well and another game to tune in. Um, but yeah, Tuesday, we have real uh, meaningful hockey, Paul, and, and I'm excited for it to finally be here. Yeah, we'll, we'll share opening night impressions when we get together a week from now, but uh, that wraps up our look around the league, and we think we've done a decent job. We hope we've done a decent job getting you ready for your preseason uh, prep for your season-long pools and uh, get, we'll get you ready for DFS action too in, in the coming weeks as we open up our seventh season of PuckCast and that wraps up our look uh, at the Atlantic Division today so thanks for listening to Rotowire Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast we thank our sponsor at Owner's Box check it out you'll be glad you did in the meantime as always please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter follow me Paul Bruno at Statsman22 you can follow AJ at AJScholes24 as always we invite you to listen in to PuckCast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.